1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power
0: to do? Mobile
1: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Field, that would scald to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Ortiz.
1: This is Red Sox beat. On CLNS Radio. I
2: think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on Opening Day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would—if it, it, that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
1: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
0: Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, Hey, we, we signed this player through so a ceremony. Like, no, no, like now to your hosts.
1: All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in. Red Sox be here on CLNS Radio. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been on, but we are here, of course, brought to you by sea Geeky and uh, Blue Apron. Of course, sea Geek brings you best of both worlds there. Um, they do all the work for you. All you've got to do is worry about uh, diving into the op- opportunities they give you, and it's a good way to get tickets to your games, as well as Blue Apron who brings you fresh quality foods uh, every day every week excuse me to uh your door ten dollars a meal for, for the most part um and they're really good and fresh all the time so of course check them both out you can find us on twitter at Red Sox underscore beat facebook is Red Sox beat podcast tumblr rate review and subscribe us on itunes that'd be the best thing you could do as we always ask you to do that um that being said it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on the air here i uh, very excited to join you guys again uh technical difficulties of course are a pain in the butt um but we're good and we're back and uh of course it's been about three weeks now since the three of us have been together so uh, what's going on guys i've missed you guys
2: yeah i feel like i haven't done a show in a year but i guess it hasn't been that long
1: (laughs) it's been a while that is for sure um, a lot has gone on, so obviously a lot to get to in terms of Red Sox news. Um, they're only a half game out of first place now, uh, so a lot really has changed since the last time you guys have been on. Um, but Jess, why don't we do this um, because we haven't had a good quality recap in a while? Uh, let's let's get the people caught up for what they've missed since we've been on the air.
2: Yeah. So the last time that a show was done was Jared and, and Nick Qualia quality a couple stuff, weeks ago. By the way. Um, yes, we thank Nick for for. Uh, Pitching in there, doing the show. It was great to hear him again. I can't wait to do a show with him. Um, But after that show, where they had struggled the week before, things turned around. They played three against the Yankees. They didn't turn around there. The Sox won one out of three of those games. Two maddening bullpen efforts were a problem. Uh, And almost three. They almost blew the first game of the series before Matt Barnes came in and saved it. So that was that series. They lost two out of three at home, which was very frustrating. But then they took out all their anger from the Yankees series, all over the Diamondbacks over the weekend, Friday through Sunday. Um, they won 9-4, to 6-3, to and 16-1. to They scored 31 runs in the three games. And Mookie Betts had three home runs and eight RBI, four hits on the, in the 16-run game. And Dustin Pedroia had five hits. He was five for six. Jackie Bradley Jr. had a home run in that game, too. That was an insane weekend.
1: Yeah, it was. It was um it was fun to watch, that's for sure. Um and it's kind of started them in the right direction.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was so great to watch and definitely set them off for what for the next really 2 weeks that have been really good for offensively for the Sox, especially which it's what we needed the last few weeks, so it's, it was definitely nice to see and Mookie Betts just absolutely exploding was awesome.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of good things from that week. Uh, Clay Buchholz got his first start in a while, and he was serviceable. He got the job done. He put him in line for a win. He got the win. So that was important for his confidence. Um, there were numerous MVP candidates. Uh, on the pitching side, Rick Porcello pitched a eight-inning and a seven-inning effort, giving up two runs and one run each with ten strikeouts and one walk combined. Those were those were great outings. Um, so. He's definitely the pitching MVP for that week. He was great. And then on offense, I mean, obviously Betts is the obvious one with the three home runs and eight RBI, but he didn't do a whole lot for the whole rest of the week until that game. Still with that game, he was probably still the MVP. But then he had Hanley Ramirez, who had uh, two two three-run homers in a game. So he had an insane game in a good week. And then Dustin Pedroia had about 400 hits in the week. So, combine all the all those guys. I know it's an exaggeration. It was, but between his five hit game and several other multi hit games, he had well over ten hits on the week. Um, so yeah, it was just a great offensive week. Good good pitching later on against the Diamondbacks, which bled into this week. So really good week for everybody. Um, so we covered that. Um, we were excited to do the show last week after getting sixteen runs, and then it didn't happen. So. We got it out here, it happened. So now I will take you all into the wonderful week that this one was. It was a probably one of the weirdest weeks. let before I go over what happened in the week, can we just talk talk about how messed up this week was with three different series? One against Cleveland in a makeup, two against Baltimore, and then four against Detroit. And the Baltimore the second game was at seven o'clock and it ended up being rain delay and getting po- getting cancelled after Five innings, and then they went to Detroit and played in an afternoon game at one o'clock. Could this week have been any weirder?
1: Yeah, it was probably what the am- most unique uh, week of baseball in just in, in in like the entire season so far around the league. Um, I can't think of a more unique situation. Obviously, because Cleveland was the makeup game from the first series of the year, so uh, definitely weird. But obviously, they did well, so can't really complain.
0: Yeah, it was definitely really weird and. It was a seven o'clock game, one o'clock game after a rain delay or a rain shortened game. It was just a lot of delays, a lot of early games, but we said we oh, yeah. not gonna complain if they had a had a good week. <laughs>
2: Which makes it even more impressive that they had that good week because they could have, for all intents and purposes, mailed in the week, mailed in several of the games as they're getting in at 4 in the morning and playing in the afternoon and going to uh, uh, city after city after city, all kinds of travel. They They could have done terrible this week and no one would have even said anything because of how brutal the schedule was, but they didn't do that, which is all the more impressive. So we'll start with Monday. Makeup game with Cleveland from the first series of the season, the stupid one where they were in Cleveland in April for no reason. Uh, that's happened, so we won't dwell on that, but this is what this was for. Uh, and this was a great game, a 3-2 Red Sox win. Uh, Drew Pomerantz, this was, he's had a couple pretty good starts. This one was his best start in a Red Sox uniform. Maybe the best start of his career. If it wasn't the best start of his career, it was at least the longest start of his career, so that's worth something. He yeah. pitched seven and two thirds innings. I
1: can't believe he's never pitched into the eighth inning before in his career like as a whole.
2: I don't think he would pitched into the seventh inning in his career.
1: Wait, really? I, I thought, thought it was, was just the first the time that he
2: No, I think when they when he pitched seven point one innings, they said this is the first time that he's pitched into the seventh inning. <laughs> oh well even more impressive then to put the more on top of it. Yeah, exactly. So this was, this is really good to see. He only threw 104 pitches over seven and two thirds, six strikeouts, five hits, two runs. He was really sharp. Um, he gave up a home run to Rajay Davis in the fourth after going perfect for the, through the first three innings. And then fortunately the Red Sox finally got to Josh Tomlin, who was pitching about 81 miles per hour is his fastest pitch. And, uh, Fortunately, David Ortiz had a two-run homer to make it two to one in the sixth inning. Jackie Bradley hit one right afterwards to make it three one, and uh, that would be all the Sox score. Raja Davis got an RBI double in the eighth, and Pomerantz came out of the game, um, and then Kimbrell came into the ninth and he had a little bit of a roller coaster ride where he uh, gave up two base runners, a hit and a walk to start the inning. Got himself in deep trouble with two on and no outs. Um, they had. They had first and second, and then he managed to strike out Carlos Santana, strike out Jason Kipnis, and get out Abraham Almonte to fly out. So somehow he squeaked out of the game. But that was a nail. That was a nail biter the whole way through.
1: He doesn't like to make it easy on us when he is uh, when he's in the game at the end of these at the end of these situations here. Um, never is very rarely we see a good uh, one two three cleaning from Kimbrel, and this is another example of why we're going to be pulling our hairs out if they make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely an uneasy feeling when he enters the game and it's a one or two run game and he's putting these guys on base. It definitely uh, tugs at the heartstrings a little bit.
2: Yeah, it was a little scary. Fortunately he did get out of it. And the most important thing with that is we finally saw the Red Sox win a close game on the road against the playoff team. This was a really good this is a really, really good win.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely was. You're right. Um, They don't do this that often. They haven't done it that often this year. So seeing them come in and have the ability to win a close game, let their closer do this thing despite struggling a little bit, it's a big morale booster coming into the rest of that week because you you knew that um, you really had to win those close games, and they started to do that that with that one.
0: And they needed to start off the week with a win like that, especially with the schedule they had going into the week, too.
2: Yeah, you need to lose the first game of the makeup, and then go to Baltimore, where you're fighting for the division. It was just huge they got that win. So that brought us into Tuesday. This was perhaps one of the stranger games of the season. You wouldn't expect it with the 5-3 win that the Sox got, but how it happened was very strange. Eduardo Rodriguez pitched the first four innings with seven strikeouts and gave up no hits and then had to leave the game with a hamstring tightness (laughs) after throwing a no-hitter. Uh, so, that was brutal. Bullpen had to go the whole rest of the way over half the game with him out. And they struggled a little bit, but managed to hold the Orioles down enough. Um, this game is all about Mookie Betts. If he didn't do well enough with his three home runs and eight RBI, in this game he decided to hit two home runs and have five RBI, which was every single one of the RBI. He had a three-run homer in the fifth and a two-run homer in the eighth. The three-run homer made it three-nothing, then the Orioles tied it at three in the seventh inning. And then right away in the eighth inning, he had a two-run homer to make it five to three. So between Erod throwing a no-hitter through four, and then the Sox as as a whole had a no-hitter going through, I think, six innings, and then Betts getting every RBI, this was a crazy game.
1: Yeah, it was. And I, I, if Mookie Betts isn't making a case for AL MVP already, this game even made it even more of a case of why he deserves it. Um, this guy, time in and time out again, has been doing this for this team down the stretch here. And I expect more of it as the, the rest of the year goes on, pushing for the playoffs, obviously only half the amount of division now. So um, I expect him to be that guy all the way through. And if he is, there's a good chance he wins AL MVP this year, guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't argue that with, especially with what he's been doing recently and just, he's come up so big for this, for this team lately and the multi-home run games. It's just, there, there's nothing I feel like he just can't do anything wrong, and I'm completely okay with that.
1: See, that's how I feel with Xander yeah, Bogart, and that's not true. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, he struggled a little bit, but um, yeah, this, with him, it's, it's his home runs are super streaky because he'll hit none for about two weeks, and then he'll hit about seven in, like, a week. So that's a little streaky, but it's totally fine because when he does do that, it's huge for the team, and when he doesn't, he's still getting hits, and we're still playing well without his home run. So it's just like an added bonus when he decides to hit, like, six home runs in two games, which is, you know, it's, it's huge for the team. So it's, it's great. Um, so that made it five straight wins for this team at that point after sweeping the Diamondbacks and then winning against Cleveland and then in Baltimore brought us into Wednesday. Uh, David Price in the mound looking for a good start from him. He gave it. The offense gave it as well. Um, they got all the runs before the rain hit. Uh, the Sox won 8-1 to one in six innings. They did end up calling a game after a little over an hour rain delay. So Price got credited for a complete game, which was only six innings. But he only gave up four hits, one run, no walks, four strikeouts. And the Sox slapped Dylan Bundy all over the place. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run. Sandy Leone hit a home run. Ortiz had an RBI double. Bradley had a two RBI double, so he had four RBI in the night. Um, Two hits for Betts, two hits for Bradley, two hits for Leone. Three for three for Brock Holt. Um, This was a nice game. Really good offense. Uh, You got a big enough lead that you had no worries when the rain came. And six straight win. Sweep of the Orioles after a one-game sweep of the Indians after a three-game sweep of the Diamondbacks. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone saw this coming. I think everyone saw that Baltimore two game set after Cleveland and said, "Okay, if we split that, we're happy. We'll move on." Um, especially the way David Price had been pitching, um, we just, you're not really still not really sure what you're going to get from him, even though he's been pitching a lot better. But um, I didn't expect them to win both these games, especially Wednesday when they won eight to one. I didn't see that coming. Obviously, it was shortened, so who knows what would happen if they finished, especially with the Red Sox bullpen the way it is. But give um, hats off to them, and They they came in there, they knew they needed to win both games, and they did.
0: Well, I clearly saw it coming since I predicted well, it correctly, but... <laughs> yeah, okay, well, let will start tooting
1: the horn a little early here.
0: <laughs> toot it all you want. It's not early. <laughs> I'm going to toot my own horn for the next five, maybe ten minutes, but no, it was, it was and nice and to d- see David Disclaimer party. here.
2: Hold on. Disclaimer here. We didn't do our predictions last week because we didn't do a show, but we did write down our predictions, and Lauren did predict it right, so it did happen, even though it didn't happen. <laughs> it, it did happen. Yes, it did <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was it was glorious 'cause that's never happened. Jess is always the one getting everything right.
2: Well, I'm happy to but hand it over it, to you for
0: a week. It never comes <laughs> to me.
2: It never comes to my side. Never
0: you. It was nice to Sorry, see a okay. solid outing from 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 David Price and to see him pitching like how we'd expect him to. It's it's better late than never, but I'm I'm glad he's starting to try looking like he's figuring it out looking more comfortable on the mound and I'll take a six inning or five inning complete game over a four and a third inning and eight hits, ten runs, whatever he was giving up before. So it was, that was nice to see.
2: And this was especially good because Baltimore was thirty nine and seventeen at home before the series. And the fact that we won both games after that after having to do a makeup game, playing so many road games straight to you know, to, to beat them two games in a row when they were probably the best home team in the league. That's even more impressive.
1: No, it definitely is, yeah. And I think that um, this team's definitely trying in the right direction, and this sparked it. This this wi- this winning streak definitely sparked something with this team, and they're obviously trying in the right direction. You see Baltimore falling down. Um, all signs pointing up right now for the Red Sox, for sure.
2: Yeah, they're the third-best home team in the league, so that was that was great. Um, so then we go into our third series of the week after this game ended at it, it, past 10.30. They had a 1 o'clock game on Thursday against the Tigers, starting a four-game series. And finally, the six-game winning streak was snapped. But it shouldn't have been, because the Sox had this game in the bag. Really, really tough loss. Um, everything happened late in this game. Uh, Clay Buckles started this game against Matt Boyd. You wouldn't expect it to be a good good matchup, because Buckles is... You know, had a poor year overall, and Boyd's been hit or miss for the Tigers early on, um, and Buckles didn't get to, to travel ahead because he got stuck because of the weather, so he didn't even get proper amount of rest or anything. He went six innings, six hits, one run, three strikeouts. Uh, Boyd went six innings, five hits, one run, four strikeouts, so they both pitched really well. Um, The only runs against them was a Saltamaki sack fly against Buckholz. Sandy Leone hit another home run against Boyd in the fourth to tie it at one. That was it until the eighth inning. And then the Sox got two runs in the top of the eighth. Hanley Ramirez, RBI single, and Betts scored on a wild pitch. But then the bullpen came in after Robbie Ross threw a scoreless seventh in the eighth after the Sox took the lead. Junichi Tozawa started the inning gave up three straight hits. Ziegler came in, couldn't completely hold the mess. He gave The, the combination of the two of them gave up three runs. They were all given to Tozawa, and Ziegler walked Andrew Romine to make it four to three. He had to face Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, J.D. Martinez. So he faced a really tough part of the lineup, and he couldn't hold it. And then the Sox had a chance in the ninth inning, and they didn't end up scoring that was a heartbreaker really they had the game in hand and to have seven wins in a row at that point would have been awesome but can't win them all i guess
1: and i know you guys know my answer to this but this this game was highly debated for a couple days around here in boston um because of the choice to not just go with ziegler right away in the eighth um and you know my answer but do you guys think it was the right decision to let tozawa go out there
0: Well, I mean, Jess. Actually, there. I think there was an article that Jess shared with me and a couple of the the Red Sox beat writers for for the written coverage. Um, I think it was about Tazawa. Am, am I wrong on that, Jess?
2: Yeah, it was about their numbers, like the opponent's numbers against Tazawa and Ziegler and all that. It was. So I mean, you know, the Tigers had like, you know, there's the hitters coming up. Cabrera and Martinez, they were both hitting over four hundred against over against Tozawa and Ziegler. So you couldn't kinda couldn't go right there. They had success against anyone, they're just really good baseball players. So they kinda it was kinda pick your poison and he picked poison and it poisoned him, but he could have picked the other poison and I could have poisoned him too. So <laughs> I don't really necessarily lay that on him. I know Tozawa's been really bad recently, and Ziegler's been better, so I probably would have gone with Ziegler just for that reason, but they had a little better numbers against Ziegler. He's a low-ball pitcher. Those guys hit low balls. You know, he throws a a sinker. Tozawa throws low, too, with a splitter, but they went with Tozawa. Yeah, I can see both ways, but it was definitely frustrating.
0: Yeah, definitely a frustrating loss, and logically, I guess it could be the right answer, but... Would I have done it? Probably not, just because of how awful Tazawa's been lately. And I mean, not that Ziegler's been the best pitcher we have in our bullpen either, but like you said, if you got to pick your poison, I mean, it could have gone, it really could have gone either way.
1: Yeah, no, you need to go with Ziegler. I know Ziegler can't pitch every eighth inning, but when you're in a tight game like that, um, especially with the win streak that you have, and was pretty much gassed, as you can tell, and he just isn't himself right now, um, you can't be putting him in high leverage situations like that when you have a guy in Ziegler who is here to be in high leverage situations like that. So um, obviously you guys know that I just don't like John Farrell as a whole, but even if it wasn't John Farrell and someone else made that move, I just don't think it was the right decision for the game.
2: Yeah, and it's it's too bad with these guys like Tozawa, you know, other guys that come to mind like Hideki Okajima, people like that. They're such good setup men for several years, and you rely on them so much, and then their success just runs out at a certain point. It's just kind of the position... And how those kinds of pitchers are, they give it their all for those couple of years. They're some of the best pitchers in the league out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, they like totally have no idea how to pitch. So for that reason, I don't know how much Tazawa has left because it doesn't seem like he can pitch in important situations anymore.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, I think it's one age. I think it's just him being overworked the last couple of years when you didn't really have anybody else to do anything for you. Um, it's just overall, it's been a struggle the last couple of years for Tazawa, and I think he's... His, uh, his age and things like that are um, are really kind of catching up with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially last year, he was without a doubt overpitched and overworked in this season. It's really starting to show. And I mean, like just said, it's frustrating because he's such a, he was such a good setup, man. And such a reliable setup, man, for so long. And I just, I want to know like, what happens at some point where they just don't have it in them anymore. And it's just like, they, they can't get it together. Like, like, do they even know what's going on? Like, what, what point? Where are they? Like, oh crap! I can't pitch anymore. You
1: would think they'd know? Yeah, like, uh, like, a- I mean, look at Papelbon now, for example. Like, he he's on the back end, and he he should realize that. And now, the longer he waits, the longer it's going to take him get back in the game. Like, some of these guys just need to realize when it's going bad. It's really just got to stay bad at some point.
2: I guess you got to sit there and realize, like, okay, I have a noticeable difference. In my velocity, I'm throwing you know three, four, five, six, seven miles per hour less than I was before. That should probably be your tipping point, shouldn't it? Yes.
1: <laughs> Simple answer. <laughs>
2: yes. It, yes, it should. That's when you should be like, oh yeah, hmm, maybe I'm not so good anymore. Oh, oh well. So that happened. Uh, I brought us into Friday's game, which was a fantastic bounce back after the six-game winning streak after that loss. Uh, Ten to two was this final. Um, Rick Porcello pitched. Seven innings, four hits, two runs, one earned, two walks, eight strikeouts. Looked fantastic. Improved to 17-3 and three with a three twenty two ERA. But in this game, the story was the offense, as it has been for a lot of his starts. And he just does his ace-like thing and pitches great along with a great offense, which is what you'd want to see. Um, David Ortiz had a two-run homer in the first inning. Jackie Bradley Jr. also had a two-run homer in the first inning. That made a 4 nothing after half an inning before... The tires even came up. J.D. Martinez had a two-run homer off Porcello. He was the only one who could do anything off Porcello. Uh, But it didn't matter because in the sixth, the Sox got two more on Andrew Benintendi, RBI single, Dustin Bedroy, RBI single. And then it was the Hanley Ramirez show in the seventh and eighth inning. He hit two two RBI doubles to make it 8-2 and 10-2 in the seventh and eighth inning, just ripping up their bullpen. Uh, The Sox got to Michael Fulmer in this game six runs, ten hits, and five and two-thirds. He's probably going to win Rookie of the Year because he's pitched a really good season, 10-4 and four with a two fifty eight ERA. But he's had two really bad starts against the Red Sox, and he just doesn't seem to know how to pitch to them. This was a great bounce-back win after the loss.
1: Yeah, it really shows something that this team had been lacking. It's just they, they showed some grit. They showed some hunger to win. Um, with that tough loss on Thursday, you'd think, uh-oh, here comes the spiral. Here comes the, the tumble into who knows what. Um, and they didn't. They came back in a massive way. Hanley played a great game, obviously, at the end. And um, it, it, as, as close as it wasn't a close game, um, it's still a big win for this team.
2: In all these road games, too so many road games that you know they've struggled with in the past and only been a couple of games over 500 which is actually pretty good for for the road overall in the league but yeah that was that was just a great great win great response yep. and it brought us to saturday which was another great response another rainy game uh, this game had two rain delays it started with an hour and a half rain delay and then there was another hour and 10 minute rain delay after the fifth inning uh, the Sox had a three to one lead when the first uh, when the second rain delay happened. Um, they had the bases loaded in the third inning, only ended up getting one run after Betts grounded a double play. Uh, James McCann tied it with a home run off Drew Pomeranz in the bottom of the third, and then David Ortiz had a two run homer in the fifth to make it three to one before the rain came. Uh, unfortunately, it's really too bad that the rain did come because Pomeranz had only thrown fifty one pitches through five innings. He probably could have gone another seven seven and two thirds, eight innings but he had to come out because the rain rain delay was too long. Fortunately, Heath Henry gave up a home run to J.D. Martinez in the seventh to make it 3-2, but after that, the bullpen dominated. Uh, Ziegler, Barnes, and Kimbrell managed to not give up any more runs. Good thing because the Sox didn't get a base runner after Ortiz's home run. They didn't get one after the rain delay. Uh, But the Sox won 3-2. Kimbrell shut it down. Big save. Uh, Justin Upton nearly tied it on a ball that was literally half an inch away from tying the game. Very scary. Yeah, it was terrifying, but he managed to not get a home run, even though he thought it was. Kimbrell got McGee to strike out, got the win. So even though it was scary once again for Kimbrell, it was yet again another 3-2 victory, one run on the road against a good team. Another really encouraging sign.
1: Yeah, good win, Um, but I also do think that it shows what rain delays can do to your game. Because Pomerantz right now has been phenomenal I mean, not phenomenal, but he showed a lot better, and he's gotten much better since we got him, and obviously he's proved that it was worth making the deal, and I think he's going to pan out for you guys here, uh, for us, for a few couple years, even more than just this one. Um, Great start, and like you said, Jess, if it wasn't for the stupid rain delay, he's going probably in the seventh inning at least because he was looking really good, and the Tigers weren't really figuring him out too much.
0: Yeah, and to have such a low pitch count before before the rain came, it's like... He could have easily gone seven, eight, maybe even maybe even complete game if he kept on that pace. And but it was nice to see one run win, and especially like you said on the road, it's like I just felt like this road trip kind of really like I don't know if a little fire into this team's ass or what it was, but they just something clicked on this road trip and they just like were cruising, they were figuring it out, and I just it was I liked watching this week very much.
2: Yeah, it was great too because like the last really long road trip, you know they they went uh, five and six on it, and they were you know kind of treading. They weren't gaining much ground, but they weren't losing ground either. And then a couple of losses against the Yankees at home. Then they sweep the Diamondbacks, and then boom, even huger road trip, and they completely responded exactly the opposite of the last one, winning almost every game, uh, which was huge. Brought us into the last game here on Sunday, brings us up to the present time, uh, and this game is just a throwaway game. You know, last game of the series, before-game series, um, Eduardo Rodriguez got scratched with some more hamstring tightness that hadn't gone away. So they threw Henry Owens in, and he was terrible. He had five walks, six hits, eight runs, and in five innings. Did have six strikeouts, but he got torched by Justin Upton. He hit two three-run homers to make it 5-0 and 8-0 against Henry Owens. So he's got five runs back. Ben uh, Benintendi hit his first career home run, which is only good moment of this game besides making a little comeback. But, you know, Justin Verlander against Henry Owens, you didn't expect to win that in the first place. Owens is still terrible. Verlander's still good. And, you know, they had won eight out of nine, uh, seven out of eight games. No, eight
1: out of nine games. Yeah. Trust your (laughs) gut, (laughs) yes.
2: Yeah, eight out of nine games. So they've won eight out of ten games now. That's still really good. You know, this game's just a game you gotta be like, well, Owens pitched and it was a tough matchup. Can't win them all.
1: I literally was talking about this on my Sunday morning show um, on ESPN New Hampshire, and it came up as, "Oh, Henry Owens is pitching. Hopefully, the as long as you hope the uh, Blue Jays might as well lose because that might, that's your best bet if you win today." Um, and thank and God that happened. So and that awesome. did happen, so I was right that I was like, "I was like, your best bet today, guys, is literally the Blue Jays losing because Henry Owens pitching right now." Is might as well just hope to God something doesn't go wrong. And today it went wrong. He's just not there. Um, he looked good for the first kind of halfway through the the, um, the lineup, but guys, he's just not there. And it's unfortunate that Erod couldn't pitch. Um, and as soon as that happened, you kind of had to assume that this was going to be a tough one for this team to win.
0: Yeah. When I got that alert this morning that Owens was going to be pitching, I was like, Ah, here we go. Like this is yep. not going to be yep. a good game. I, I'm like, he's just not going to pitch well. And unfortunately, it's what happened. But I mean, we, I think we kind of all had that mentality going into the, this game when we found out he was going to be pitching.
2: Well, he hasn't given us a lot of reason to be confident. He's pitched fairly decent at Pawtucket, but he, the entire time he's pitched well, he still had walks problems. So you go from AAA to the majors, he still have walks problems. Well, in the minors, you can get away with that. In the majors, you're not going to get away with that.
1: Yeah, it's just, Jess, Henry Owens, to me, um, is, is at this point, if you can get any value for him, if he can pitch at all well, <laughs> you need to get rid of him, but at this point, I don't think he's going to for a while. I think it's going to be a, a lifer, in-between type guy. Like He's been pitching well, or at least decently well in Triple A. He just can't seem to translate it up up in the big leagues.
2: It's amazing how people like this, how this happens so much. You have someone like him who's so like highly touted, and it's like, oh, this big 6'6 six, six lefty, he's going to be a great pitcher, he's going to be the next John Lester, he's going to be the next fill-in-the-blank left-hander. Like whatever. Yeah, tall left-hander. Yeah, exactly. And he was supposed to be so good, and the guy can't find the strike zone.
0: No, it's terrible. He's got these awful control issues, and he's got he had so much hype around him, and he wasn't all that terrible last year. And he he was he was fun to watch, and now it's like you dread when he gets called up because you don't even want to watch him anymore.
2: The life of a major leaguer, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> a really fringe major leaguer, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, either way great week five and two week um all road games uh we didn't do predictions but we did lauren got it right five and two she got every series right i was one off i said four and three and jared over there said two and five and he was a little bit wrong (laughs) and thank god he's wrong i'm sure you're fine with being wrong
1: (laughs) completely fine with being wrong jess you have no idea i'm okay with i just played the trends man i play trends
2: yeah no it could have happened but it was a really surprising really good week in um, a huge week, and the road trip's not over. There's still four more against... Tampa Bay on the road, which we'll get to in our predictions later on. But this week, I'm giving MVP to David Ortiz. He was 11 for 22, a five hundred average, three home runs, seven RBI, six runs, two doubles. And he hit his 532nd home run, was his last one, which gave him 1,500 RBI with the Red Sox, third all-time, and gave him 29 home runs for the season, which ties Ted Williams for the most home runs in a 40-plus season. Also, he got his 1,400th run for his career on that as well. That was a big hit.
1: Yeah, it really was. Um, <laughs> it, I just not know how to say it. It's just, it was a huge hit.
2: You're yeah, honey, what else can you there. say about it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just another stat on top of a great
2: career. Yep. Every Literally every hit he gets is some huge thing. It's funny how that works.
1: It's crazy how that is, though, when you put it that way. like Almost every hit he gets now for the rest of the year can almost be put into another milestone for him.
2: I know, but it always seems to work, out. Like 1400 runs, 1500 RBI with the Red Sox. This record with Ted Williams, like it's always something, some even number, something. It's like he knew this year was
1: stat- it's like he knew this year was coming stats-wise. So he now it to be his last year.
2: Right? I'm it's kidding. crazy too cuz <laughs> but now, now he's 20 he has 29 home runs and 97 RBI. He's one home run away from 30, three RBI away from 100, and that will be his 10th 30-100 season. It's his last season. This is the greatest season ever for someone retiring there's no yeah. way it's not
1: and it's one of his best seasons of his entire career
2: and and, and that's yeah. crazy
1: considering of this career that he's had
2: he's it's just crazy to think he
0: I mean, for i mean i can't even put into words like this season for him just cuz like
1: you're at a loss for i mean for
0: words. We, we obviously pretty much i mean we wanted him to have a a good last season i don't think any of us really expected him to have like a powerhouse season but I mean, it's you couldn't really script any better unless they win the World Series, which we know they're going to at this point. But
1: oh, it's just, he's
0: just been—he's been so dominant, he's been so solid, and every time he gets an, you know, a milestone hit or he just hits another home run, I was like, does he really have to retire this year? Like, I'm, I'm with Miguel Cabrera on this one—just one more year.
2: <laughs> I know that would just be awesome. One more year, then,
1: then one more, then one more.
2: <laughs> as much as I want Betts to win MVP cuz he's deserved it and he's literally like top 6 in literally like 12 categories in the AL which is absolutely nuts. He probably deserves it at this point possibly, but considering Ortiz is still hitting 320 and has 29 homers and 97 RBI and the amount of doubles he has, the slugging percentage and all that, like Betts can Betts is going to get one sometime. Ortiz has never had a, a regular season MVP. That would be so cool if he got one in his last year.
0: That's crazy to think in twenty years he hasn't gotten one.
2: Yeah, it's I know it's insane. Well, because he, the thing is too, he's
1: he's more known for the playoff heroics and the clutch hitting at good times than he is for his like full seasons of success. You know, we never really talk about his. Oh, we look. I remember that season. That was great. Entire season of David Ortiz. Like we'll say that, but like overall, he's known for stuff he's done in October um, and just clutch hits in big games during the season. He's not known for full seasons, even though he might have had them. He's not known for those types of seasons. He's known for the playoffs.
2: Yeah, he really. I mean, he had three of those seasons, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five, and two thousand six, because those were his huge years with forty one homers, forty seven, and then obviously the fifty four breaking the Red Sox single season record. Mm-hmm. And he had one hundred thirty nine, one hundred forty eight, one hundred thirty seven RBI in those times, and he got second, third, and fourth in in, uh, in MVP. But he just there was always one guy who was juicing who was a little bit better.
1: I say I'd be intrigued to see who won the MVP those years when he had those bright years. I'd be intrigued to look that up. Um, but there you go. That is Jess's recap uh, for the week. Obviously, uh, kind of doubling down here, getting you caught up since our last show. And of course, that is brought to you by SeatGeek. And don't forget, of course, you want to put in that promo code RSB when you get your first ticket purchase to get that twenty dollars off uh, rebate. Um, so you can get even great tickets for cheaper. Um, but guys, a lot to talk about. Obviously, we haven't really had a show in two weeks, so there's a lot of news swirling around um, in Red Sox land. But guys, we. I, I know it's been a while now, but we really have to talk about Stephen Wright going to the DL because it's ridiculous how big of a blunder this is, and it could have been completely avoided. And I haven't been able to vent on this on this airwave, and, and I'm really annoyed that John Farrell let that happen. Because that, th- th- as much as you might like John Farrell, he is 100% to blame for Stephen Wright being on the DL and for Clay Buckles having to pitch more than once because now he's pitching again in Tampa. I know he looked okay, but he's still not Stephen Wright. Um, and this is this is 100% on Farrell.
0: No, this is definitely frustrating because, I mean, I've, I'm such a huge advocate for interleague play and not having the pitchers run or hit or anything. Like, the National League needs to adopt the DH, and... This is exactly for reasons like this. Like pitchers get hurt for stupid reasons and managers make stupid calls. And now it's, we have one of our best pitchers on the DL because of, of a stupid of running that we're trying to get back to second. Like this, this is Stephen Wright does not know how to run the bases. He's not equipped to run the bases. He doesn't, like that's not his job. His job is to go out there and throw that beautiful knuckleball. And now I'm, I've been deprived of it. And I'm going to be deprived of it again for another start. And it's, what, just, it's something that could have, it could have easily been avoided. And it's like, why is this still a thing?
1: Yeah. See, what bugs me the most with this, too, um, guys, is that it didn't have. Why Steven Wright? Like, cool. You want to throw a pitcher in there? Awesome. Let it be Clay Buckles. Let it be Drew Pomerantz. Like, someone who's run the bases before and knows what they're doing. Like, why is it. Stephen Wright, who barely made it to the league this year, who is now one of your two best arms in this rotation, and you have let him go out there. Obviously, he made a mistake in the first place because he shouldn't have even had to worry about this because he pinch-hit Bryce Brents, quote-unquote, because then right away he put Ortiz in instead. So Bryce Brents wasn't even available to pinch run because of that. Um, But that being said, even if it got to that point and you still had to put a pitcher in, why Stephen Wright?
2: Yeah, he's not an NL player. You have guys who've run the base before. Oh, and like you said, he's our second best pitcher. That little small detail. So all of that is just so stupid. And then, yeah, it's, it, I feel like this happens in the National League all the time with pitchers. They get injured on the bases more than they do at the plate. And that's NL guys who are used to doing it. Then you throw an AL guy in that, and then he gets injured on the bases. It's even stupider. Like It, it happens to everyone all the pitchers so the fact that you make an American League guy do that is just absolutely dumb it didn't make any sense to me and now we've missed you know we're a third straight start missed for them the only silver lining hopefully is that he gets rested and is even better than he was before
1: yeah but I hate that silver lining as much as I, I know it's there um, sure. shouldn't, have been a, shouldn't have been a thing should never have been a thing. Should not have come up at all because he should not have been on the base paths. Um, I don't want to talk about this for a whole show because it's already like two weeks old. But it's just stupid that this even had to happen um, because it's an idiocy. Another one on the check mark on the, on the belt notch for uh, John Farrell. Reasons why he should not be your manager next year. But I digress. Um, one thing that <laughs> I, did, I did want to talk about again um, is is Drew Pomeranz because when he first came here. Um, we, he had a rough start. We both, we all sat here and said, give him some time. You've got to give him a couple starts to get acclimated to pitching for the Red Sox. You're not on a crappy team. You're actually pitching for something. As, as good as you are, that does add to something. You know, that does change your mentality. Um, and since that, those couple starts at the beginning, guys, he I don't know about you guys, but he's looked pretty good to me, um, and his stuff's looking better. Um, obviously, if it wasn't for that range delay, he would have pitched two games, probably in the seventh, if not eighth inning. Um, He's getting better and better, and I like that's promising, especially leading towards fighting for a division and going to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, he's looked a lot more confident and just comfortable, and I think a lot of it is when you're pitching for a good team. And, I mean, I'm sure he knows, or I'm sure really anybody knows when you come here what you're getting into, like, fan base-wise and just how good this team is and how we expect playoff pushes pretty much every year. So to kind of just be thrown into that, I'm sure is nerve-wracking, and got a few starts under his belt, and they were rocky at first, but now he's really calmed down, and I think this is who he is, and I'll take this kind of picture for for the rest of the season, if that's what it is, I'll, I'll be more than happy with that.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's great. He's pitched well. He's pitched really well. He's given up either one or two runs in each of the last four starts. He's totally settled in. He's getting deeper into games. You know, seven and two thirds, six, five and a third, and then the five in the rain shortened game that would have been longer. So he's getting much deeper into games, and this is what he was doing before he came here. He was, you know, he was pitching. He was pitching really good games, one or no runs, getting a lot of strikeouts, throwing that nice curveball. He was, he was an all-star. He was a really good pitcher this year, and you know, now that he's settled in, he looks to be very dependable and limits damage pretty well. This guy could be huge for this team. I mean, this, yeah, this was a big move to make and now it's starting to prove that it is going to be super helpful because now you'd have just one more guy You know now that Price is pitching better and then once Wright comes back and Porcello's going to be Cy Young and now you have Drew Pomerantz pitching like the all-star that he was. This is huge. Yeah,
1: and and honestly I even take a step back here guys and think about even down the road. How big is having Drew Pomerantz, a guy, a tall lefty like this who you know is good because this is what we all thought Henry Owens could be, if not maybe a little better, but now you have a guy who's doing it. Yeah, you had to give up Anthony es- Anderson Espinosa to do it. Don't care. Um, he is something that you needed, and now down the road, because I'm one to believe that David Price is going to go back to being David Price the entire year. Next year, I give a guy a year to acclimate. Um, Rick Porcello was the same way. Yeah, I might crap on you, but I'm okay with you having a year like, like that if you come back and pitch like Porcello has this year. Um, I expect David Price to go back to the way he's pitched last year. For his career next year, if that's the case, Pomeranz even becomes more valuable because now you have a guy like this third or fourth in your rotation with top end guys at the top of the rotation pitching like they should. So even yeah, he's had great success now, but even down the road, this is huge uh, for the Red Sox moving forward.
2: The staff could be so good next year if these guys all pitch to their capability. We could have one of the best teams in the league. We already we already yeah, always I know, do this year. <laughs> Yeah,
0: and if you think about it, like it's if awesome. if Wright and if Wright comes back healthy and he's doing what he does next year too, it's like that's four solid pitchers right there. We just need a fifth starter who's just going to be as dominant as the next four, and maybe that's Rodriguez. But even though he's a little injured right now, but he was pitching well before he went on the DL. It's Just to think of. To have a, like a solid starting rotation is such a nice thought to have.
1: Can we just fix the bullpen, too, while we're at it, please? Can we just fix everything? Because the bullpen's yeah, got to be problem, first priority. Yeah. Um, and that's been the problem. I mean,
0: down... he... and don't... Carson Smith will be back next year, so he might help fix it.
1: True, but you still have more <laughs> holes than Carson Smith because you've got to think Koji and Tazawa are not going to be in that bullpen um and it's been struggling um this entire end of the season now with the injuries and and losing people it's just not it's just really struggling um and that's obviously a huge hole I don't think they're going to do anything about it now obviously maybe Papelbon comes but the longer this waits the less and less likely that's going to happen um because you got to be on the roster by September to even be in the playoffs for that team if they make them and that's in like 10 days so not gonna happen I highly doubt that so this is what you got and the bullpen guys and we can just kind of go into because I want to talk about the bullpen too um hasn't been great like a bot has not been good even okay but like it's just it's something that is a concern because you're winning you have to win these close games and yeah you've won a couple of them but every time someone from the bullpen goes out there I don't breathe like I struggle to watch those games
2: yeah they really struggle. they've blown several games they've nearly blown several games too it's it's never a comfortable feeling when the bullpen comes in and it's i I don't know it's like they all like seem like they're pretty good pitchers but they're so inconsistent like ross can be great and then terrible Uh, bod has had a couple decent ones mostly bad you know hembry go up a home run but a little pitch well Like it's and then kimbrell obviously we know he's been <laughs> hit or miss, big time. <laughs> uh, Ziegler's been pretty solid at a couple bad games. Tazawa's been absolutely horrendous for like three months now. It's just none of them you completely can completely rely on. It's,
0: it's not an un, it's not a good feeling to have this uneasy kind of feeling when your bullpen is in the game, and it's, it's you want to be able to trust your bullpen. And when we go to them, feel like oh, okay, like we got this. Like kind of how we felt with Kimbrel when he when he first pitch before he went on DL and kind of started giving up walks and runs left and right. Like you don't want an uneasy feeling whenever they go to the bullpen, no matter who it is. And every time they make the call, I'm like, oh, geez, like who are they going to put in now? Like who do they have? Who's not, who's who's the best out of the bullpen before we go to our closer, who's not going to put men on base. And it's just like, there's not really a good option there. And if the game's close, it's just like, great, like, What's going to happen now? And it's almost like you just want to turn away for a little while and be like, I'll come back and see how the game's doing because you just don't want to see just a, a crap show of just runs scored on you.
1: Yeah, it's it's, um, it's awful. I hate watching this bullpen pitch, um, and they need to fix it ASAP. But, I, I, again, I could sit here and crap on the bullpen for, like, three weeks, but I won't do that. Um one thing that I'm intrigued to kind of get your opinions on, because especially Jess, who has been like the biggest Clay Buckle supporter for some weird reason. Um, yes. What do you think, Jess, of his kind of recent, I'd say, I don't want to say success, but like mediocrity. Like, you could say success. He's, he's been, no, I can't. No. It's not success. I no, would it's say success, it, it, my it, friend. It's, it's mediocrity. It's not, it's not good, but it's not bad. Oh. Um, it's so Jess, Jess, do you think this is something that can sustain, or is this just going to be something that will stick back in the bullpen when, when, when everyone's back?
2: No, of course he can sustain it. We're talking about Clay Buggles here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, yes, I think he can sustain it. I mean, in the bullpen, he pitched five consecutive scoreless outings before he came to rotation. He was on a pitch count. He gave up three runs in four and a third innings and, you know, was good enough to get to the bullpen and actually win a game. One run was, was huge. He Yeah, I think that,
1: um, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I understand your fascination with Clay and This is the time of year where I'll sit here and go, okay, yeah, you know, he was, um, he finally did it. He was good. We can rely on him for another year. But I just hope, I really, I just hope that the Red Sox don't look at this and go, oh, well, Clay's fine. We can keep him because just don't keep him.
0: But, I mean, even when he pitches terrible, they still go after him and they still put him in start after start. So I don't really think if he pitches like consistently, the way he has been, I still think they're going to be like, "Oh no!" Like, we're going to keep him because that they keep him no matter keep what. Like, they keep him yeah. in the bullpen. They keep him in the starting rotation. He makes his way back to the starting rotation somehow, some way, and that's just how it's going to be. I don't think he's going anywhere ever until he decides to retire.
2: And right now, it's good because he's pitching well. If we wanted to pitch. He's doing well.
0: Yeah, I'll take Bay if he wants to pitch how, in his next start, how he did the last start, he can go right ahead.
2: Do you guys think yeah.
1: that... Because he, he has an, a team option at the end of the year, right? like he could If they don't want him, they don't have to keep him. Do you guys think that they keep that option? Do you think they pick up his option?
0: I do.
2: Yeah, they seem to think that he's going to continue to have value, and then he does stuff like be terrible all year, and then come back and have value at the end of the season <laughs> when you need him. I mean, he keeps... He keeps Doing this giving these little hopes of value, and they keep saying he 's a valuable guy though you can 't drive him you see articles you know Clay, Clay but is still valuable. he can still give you give you that spot start if you need him he 's pitching well out of the bullpen, and the guy never goes away it 's great
1: yeah, it 's awful, but I agree with you guys they got the <laughs> stupid team option because what else is new with them? They always, they get blinded by the late season buck hole success or that little stretch run that he has. We'll see. He can do it. We just got to keep him on the mound, throwing good fastballs. Yep. Okay. I'm like, no, stop I don't it.
2: blame him. It's not good. I know my baseball. They know their baseball. We know what we're yeah. talking about. Uh, so I don't know my baseball.
1: Well, yeah. sometimes. Oh, that's so
2: <laughs> Not in terms <laughs> of him though. <laughs>
1: uh, we're going to move on. Here's one guy. We, we can talk about Ben Tenny Cause I know we all agree on Ben Tenney. Um, Huge shout out to him. He obviously, today in Detroit, he hit his first career home run, arguably his second, but we won't get into that. Um, hit his first career home run, two runs shot in the right field. No doubt that is gone. Um, this guy, this kid, has been having such great success up here, um, and I'm pumped. I actually agree with John Farrell. He came out and said that they do not, they do not consider Benintendi a platoon guy. He he needs to play every day. Finally, something John Farrell says makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, how can you not, especially he's had so much hype around him since he's got here, you know, even through the minors and he's just really living up to it, which is, I love when that happens, when they can just transfer their, their minor league skill into the majors within their first few games. And now he's getting on base. He's driving in runs and finally got his first home run after he was robbed of his, his first real one, but he's just been so fun to watch. And I hope this, this continues. I know he's, he's young and it prob- this probably is like the real deal of him. And he's so fast around the bases too. Like he can run and that's like really what we need to when he, especially when he gets on base.
2: Yeah. He's been fun to watch and he, he tore it up so well in his first week and you know, he was hitting like 500 through like five or six games. And then, you know, he had a couple of bats where he didn't get hits dropped a little bit, but then what you want to see is the bounce back and then he gets a couple hits and then, you know, triple home run. So he's not, Like dropping off or anything so it's nice to see that he didn't just hit 500 in the first five games and then go over 25 he's continuing to do it and he's clearly brings energy to the team and he's fun to watch
1: I want to tell you guys that I like want to see Moncada really badly now because just only solely because the hype was so strong around both these guys Benintendi's living up to that hype right away um, and we know how fast he cruised through the minors, um, and same with Moncada. Same with I know it only was out of necessity, but I'm intrigued to see what Moncada can do right now, because if it's anything, what he, Benintendi's doing, it's going to be successful when he comes up here.
2: Yeah, it's just more of a problem where, of where he's going to play, because obviously he's not playing second base. I know he's working out at third base. I guess maybe that could be a good option. Shaw's kind of faltering a little bit, but they might want to give him a little more of a chance, so that's that's... Not sure exactly how that's going to work.
1: I mean, you'll probably see him come September, yeah. which isn't far away, just because of call ups. I know, like I said, it's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. I, w- I just want to see it. Um, and Benintendi wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for the gaping hole in left field uh, because of Swihart's injury. So,
0: yeah, and Mancada's still. I think Moncada's only twenty. I don't. You don't think he's as old as Benintendi? Not that Benintendi's old by any means, but I think Moncada would be up here if there was more of a place to put him. I mean, we don't really have anywhere to kind of throw him right now but like I said september call-ups are coming and i wouldn't be surprised if we see him then i um, so i think he's gonna be something to look definitely keep our eye out for and i hope he's as good or if not better than Benintendi with the hype around him and i i mean i'm excited to see him whether it's this season or next but i'm definitely excited for this kid
1: yeah it, it's it's intriguing to see obviously we've been attending and we'll obviously keep an eye on it as well as all the other red sox stuff going on um not unfortunately can't get to all the news when we miss a couple of weeks but um that being said Hold all the though. red can sox we,
2: can we just can we just mention one thing maybe depends on what you want to talk yes about. sandy leone this guy's insane yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd be any better
1: I mean, I don't know if he can sustain it like past this year, but obviously he figured something out. I don't know what he was doing in the minors to figure this out, but um, obviously he got a shot and is taking it. Now, see, let me ask you this. Thing. If We're going to talk about Sandy Loam real quick. I do you to. guys look at trading him in the offseason to get something for him? Because clearly his value is not going to be any higher than it is right now. Um, some team would overpay for this. And this is just a cynic in me, but would you use that to, for trade bait to help your bullpen? Oof! Because you it know, when he, he, It's a good cheat. He's now a good chip.
0: Yeah, and we do like, like I said, we've had we have a plethora of catchers, and you know, Swihart obviously doesn't work in in the outfield very well. And I mean, if he keeps this up, I don't see why people wouldn't want to go after him, or I don't see why we couldn't get a solid bullpen arm, or I mean, he's had, I mean. There's not really any question as to if this is, like, the real deal with him or not. He's had plenty of at-bats, and he just keeps cruising. So, I mean, yeah, I, I guess he'd be good trade bait. I don't, I don't want to see him go, but that's what you got to do. But
1: you don't want to see anybody go. Like, if we had a good trade for Clay Buckles, you would say no. No. No way. No Clay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, mean, no, I, mean, I mean, I want I want, a, I want, this team to win, but eh.
1: If yeah. anybody out there like, get... agrees with Lauren, please tweet her because I guarantee you there's going to be like two people who actually tweet to you um, who agree with you about Clay Buckholz.
2: <laughs> well, Clay's the man, but Sandy's even more the man. And the fact that he's still eating 385 through 145 bats is just absolutely absurd. And he's making a huge impact. He's getting big homers. He's getting big hits, and he just keeps doing it. I would, I've gotten so attached to him, I'd, I'd be so sad to see him go. Did I get why some, he would.
1: He did throw out a base runner today, too, as well.
2: Yeah, he's a good catcher too. And Vasquez blows at hitting. Hannigan he blows at hitting. Holiday blows at hitting. Swihart shouldn't even be a catcher. And he's guys hitting three eighty five, three eighty six. I mean, God, I just can't even. I can't even fathom how good he is at hitting. Out of nowhere, he's got such a nice swing. Ah, oh, don't do this to me. Don't, don't, don't trade him.
1: Um, they probably will. Don't be shocked. Um, just, <laughs> Stop just don't it. don't be shocked when I have to perform CPR through the airwaves for you when we do the show that we talk <laughs> about him being traded for a good stud uh, bullpen. No,
2: <laughs> Ted Williams, Leon.
1: Show. That show's coming. That's just awful. I can't believe you just said that. Um,
2: <laughs> He's almost hitting four hundred six.
1: <laughs> would you really be that upset if they traded Sandy Leon if they if they made the bullpen that much better.
2: I would be heartbroken. Oh, you have to piece my heart back together.
1: It's not like it's Nomar being traded. Like it's, it's Sandy Leon. He's the
2: man. He's, okay. he is, he's a king. He's a king. He's a amongst
0: king. I, I saw him he's... referred to as a superhero today in one, an article I read. When I read he was getting a rest day that he was a superhero. Super Leon? Super Sandy? Super Storm Super Sandy?
1: Su- Super Storm Sandy? I like it. Oh, uh, yeah. man. <laughs> We'll see. I'm intrigued to see if we can keep it up, and we'll obviously keep our eyes on it and, uh, and keep you guys informed in all of Jess's crazy opinions. Um, but that being said, uh, of course, all the Red Sox news we talk about is brought to you by our good friends at Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and in building a community of home chefs. It builds, of course, a huge impact on the household as well. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Uh, those who spend a lot of eating out or on high-end uh, grocery chains can now also spend under $10 per person for a healthy, delicious meal that will be delivered right to your door uh, every week. I know the three of us use Blue Apron, and guys, I'm, I still can't get enough of it.
0: Yeah, every week I look forward to it. It's just just good, good meal after good meal, so... I'm, I'm very I had an much excellent one last in. night. Oh, what'd you have last night?
2: I had some uh, some cod and some summer succotash. It was just a great mixture of vegetables and oh. uh and summer the succotash. fish was really good. Yeah, summer name. succotash. I like that. Exactly. I would I, save
1: that re- I would save that recipe card just for the name. Not even because you can you, know, you, you get use them. it again.
2: <laughs> I'm saving all I the recipes. Th-
0: their fish is so good. It's I've I could eat their fish every week.
2: Well, that's the thing. I, feel like food... I do get fish every week. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Every someone I realized like, that you fish like cake? fish.
1: <laughs>
2: Seriously, they're like, oh, okay. "Hey, you seem to like fish." Here. Every week.
1: It, it's not just the fish. It's all really good, guys. Um, some of the meals available in August are spice pork burgers with goat cheese and cucumber corn salad, uh, chicken tinga tacos with uh, summer squash and tomato salsa, as well as summer vegetable and quinoa bowl with the fairy tale eggplants, shishito peppers, and corn. Um, I know Jess loves his shishito peppers. Um, that being said... Oh, yeah. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free, with free shipping, of course, by going to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Uh, you will love how good it feels and tastes, so to create incredible, incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't, do not wait. That's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat to get your first free, three, free, for three meals for free. It's really such a word tumbler sometimes. Um, Blue <laughs> Apron, though, is a better way to cook. Of course, we love our friends over there at Blue Apron, um, always helping us out and um, being helping us be successful and cook eating healthy. All right, guys, before we get to our predictions and, of course, get out of here for the week, um, we do obviously want to talk some MLB news. And I can't say we can get out of here without talking A-Rod because you guys, we haven't really talked about A-Rod. Um, so I do want to get your thoughts on it. Um, my biggest question to you guys is, do you think Girardi handled that situation the right way? Because obviously that was a huge skept- kind of, uh, skepticism on him and a huge issue and huge thing in the news. Was he the in the right to tell him, "No, you're not playing third base in your last major league game ever"?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's the coach, and A. Rod really hasn't brought brought much to to the team this year. And I think, you know, if you're, Girardi, you're you're Girardi, you want you want to win, you want to win games, you want to have your best players out there, regardless if it's his last game. And you know, he I know he was supposed to retire last year, and if he could if he did stick it out this season and next, maybe it would have been different. Or maybe if terms had been different with a rod retiring in the middle of the season, maybe it would have been different, but I'm completely fine with, with that. Maybe that's just because I don't like a rod, but I have no issue with him not playing him in, a, in his final game.
2: Yeah. Well, who knows if it's going to be his final game period. Cause he might sign with like the Marlins next year or something, but at least his last game for this year. I mean, I enjoy it cause I don't like a rod. Um, but I know Girardi was all emotional and like saying that they were super close, and he's been through through all this stuff, and Girardi's been behind him all that time, and he was like super emotional about the week. But yeah, I mean, he for some reason Girardi still thinks that they can make the playoffs and that they're a good team, so he thinks that his best chance to win is not to have a Rod play. Then he can do his little dramatic thing and play him in the ninth inning for one out, and then he can leave the game. Whatever. I mean, I don't care. A Rod <laughs> scum. Uh, Girardi, I don't care. It's, he can do what he wants. Uh, I, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed it, though, since there was all that like sadness and like, oh, A-Rod's not getting what he wants. He's sad. He's going to go whine about it. Screw you, A-Rod.
1: There it is. <laughs> you tell him, Jeff. You tell him, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, speaking of the Marlins, though, other big news. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, obviously their major slugger, they're in a race for the wild card, um, and he is out for the season. Um, he is no longer on the team for the year, obviously. I, what was the injury? I don't remember exactly. I haven't looked at it in a while, but. Uh, I <laughs> wish I could remember. To <laughs> I feel like i <laughs> glad we're all on the same page. Cool. Either way, um, it's a big blow to the Marlins. Obviously, they're a decently good team. They're pushing for a wild card spot. And this is the best the team has been since moving to Miami. And since, obviously, that World Series team in Florida. But. This is a big deal, Um, and and it's kind of a shame because I do and you. He's one of those faces in the game where you enjoy watching him get to the plate every night.
0: Yeah, what a letdown! I mean, after he went, oh, after he won the home run derby, it's just and the Marlins just cruising and in the the hunt for the wild card, and they lose their best hitter. It's such a letdown, and he's been. I love this guy. He's been so fun to watch, and I I predicted him to, to win the home run derby, so i have a lot of faith in him but now now that he's out just oh it's such a letdown
2: he's turning into a flower missing the end of all these seasons but i have a couple of updates for you one it was a groin injury and two uh now marlin's president is saying that he's going to return before the season ends so what, oh what? Well, well, well well what yeah so i guess we'll see what happens um I mean, they're still playing well. They're sixty-five and fifty-nine right now. They've won three in a row. They're uh, right there in the wild card, um, just a like game and a half f- back of the second spot.
1: I feel like that's just them, like saying saying that so that the fans don't stop watching. Because You're right, you know, Miami is no not used like
2: used to them being good.
1: Yeah, it's probably not one of the better baseball markets. And if they, people watch for Giancarlo Carl Stan, there's no question about that. He's that kind of player. If, I don't care if you're in a race or not. For that team, if they lose that guy, a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, there's no point in me watching. You know, like a lot of Red Sox fans might go, right. if David Ortiz got hurt, oh, well, you know what, I don't really want to watch anymore. David Ortiz isn't playing. You know, like it, it's the same kind of mentality. So I wouldn't be shocked if they're saying this just to be like, well, got to watch every night now and got to go to the game because he might be back. Like, you know, it's one of those things I think, I think anyway, because you don't come out and say you're out for the year after having all these tests and then go, oh, no, actually, I, I lied. It might
2: be back. Yeah, I think it's crap, too. I don't think he's coming back. we agree on something?
0: No. Wow.
2: Wait, do you agree, too, That's Lauren? has
0: been happening a lot. Yeah, no, I don't, I, think, I don't think he'll be back. I don't think it's don't possible think all for, for the injury, no. I don't think he'll be back.
1: Wow. Well, okay, then. Um, let's see if we agree on this one, too, because um, there's one more thing that we want to talk about for MLB Headlines. Um, John the Papelbon, released by the Nationals. Um, I think just mere on time, it hasn't happened yet, and it's getting close to that point where if he did sign with the Red Sox, then um, you'd have to sign a minor league deal, get some starts, and then get on the roster, and that might not happen within like, the time between now and September where you need to be on the roster to make the playoffs if you get there. So that being said alone, probably not going to happen, but gut instinct when he was released, guys, did you want him on the team?
0: No.
1: Oh, I, I wanted him so bad. Are you kidding See, me? I did too. I love this guy. Like I love. The I mean, I love him. I love
0: him too. I love oh, him too. now you I love just, him. I don't think he'd be. No, no. I no. I do love him, but I don't think he'd be <laughs> good to come back for the team. I mean, I. I mean, I love absolutely love what he did. Him and Bryce Harper getting into it last year, but I don't want that happening on the Red Sox. I don't need him going after anyone's throat um, on our team. And I don't know. I just. I, I mean, I, I do. I missed him. He was so much fun to have all when he was here. But I just don't think he'd be good for to have on the team this year. Yeah,
1: I think that'd it be fine. I think he's one of those rare players, and it's, it's shown his career. Boston wasn't the place he didn't succeed. Boston was the only place he did succeed. Um, and that tells me a lot here. about him um, when he said, I would love to go back there. I know, obviously, right away, he burnt those bridges telling us that apparently Philly fans were more knowledgeable than Red Sox fans, but that aside, um, he only succeeded here where a lot of people come to fail. So, I look at that and go, he comes back, he still has friends on this team with David Ortiz, uh, Dustin Pedroia, has ties with John Farrell. Like He still has ties to the city and this team. I think it would have been worth a shot, especially with this bullpen's been crap as it is. Um, Obviously, now the timing doesn't really show that's going to happen, but I think it would have been worth a shot.
2: Yeah, I think it would have, too, because we could use the bullpen piece. He's totally used to it here. It will probably like make him feel younger again that, that he'd be back here. And it's, it just made sense to me And be a, you know, a bullpen guy that you can have good, good memories of. And yeah, Farrell was a pitching coach almost the entire time that he was here. So it's it made sense to me. I, I don't know what the holdup is.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's going to be on a team at this point because – any team now has that problem of needing to get him on the roster and getting him in before September 1st. And um, we are waiting for him to make that decision at this point, I believe. I know that's what we were waiting for a week, a week ago. So I feel like at this point it's kind of a lost cause to expect him on a roster unless we wake up tomorrow or sometime this week and magically see him in a Cubs or Red Sox uniform. But um, I don't know. I think it's a lost cause. But um, there's all your MLB news um, Let's get to predictions, and then we can get out of here for the week um, because we haven't made predictions on air in a while. Um, let's start. We obviously we have four against the Rays, um, all on the road, and then we have three against the Royals at home. Um, first off, Lauren, how do you think they're going to do against the lowly Rays?
0: The lowly Rays. I think they're going to split with them. I think you know being on the road for a while is going to get to them, even though they had a great week on the road last week. Um, I think just the travel and everything, but, and there's, even though the Rays are struggling and they're not really the best team, I still think the Red Sox have issues with worse teams than they do with the better teams. So I think, you know, nice, even split. I'll take it.
2: Wow. I'm shot. That's Josh, so unlike you. What do you got?
0: I know. Yeah.
2: I got one <laughs> in three out of four cause they're, a crappy team we're playing well and for some reason we're playing really well on the road so if we're going to play this well on the road and be five and two on this road trip why don't we just go ahead and make it three out of four <laughs>
1: um i i think if it's not three at least three out of four you're kind of not doing good at all especially with the team you're playing for the division you're playing the race we're just not good um i have them sweeping the race is that crazy of me i don't oh my know, god but i have them wow su- sweeping the race all four games i think they're they're playing while well, they're freeing, figuring out kind of how to win those closer games. Um, and the offense seems to be awake for the most part. So I think against a team like this in the importance of these games now coming to the end of August and September, I think they sweep the race, no problem. Wow. So there you go. I'm, I'm shocked. I might I'm be sure on Lo- Looney Town over here, but that happens. Um, let's move on. Obviously, they have three against the Royals as well. I'll start with this one. I have them losing two out of three against the Royals. Um, only because the Royals have been playing obscenely well of late. Uh, I think they've won what like eight straight as of today, eight Sunday. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's insane. Um, so they're pushing hard for that last wild card spot to hopefully defend their World Series. Um, I think you're just catching them at the wrong time. Um, but that being said, still a great week overall if they do sweep the rays. So there you go.
0: I'm just still in shock that you're gonna you have them <laughs> sweeping the rays, but <laughs> um, I'm going opposite of you, Jared. They're gonna win two or three from the Royals, you know, coming home and even though they're defending world champions, I think that you know, Red Sox are really gonna start making a serious push and i I think they're gonna take two out of three. Especially coming home after some time on the road it'll be nice to be back at Fenway, so that's what they're gonna do. Four and three week. I'll take it.
2: And I had them losing two out of three for also four and three week same reason yeah, eight in a row. I know we're home and that makes me feel pretty good, but they won eight in a row. They're looking to get back and defend the World Series, and you know, they've had a tough year. Them and the Mets both. The Mets are sixty-two and sixty-two. They're a joke after going to the world series and the Royals are up 64 and 60. So they're barely over 500 too. And they were under 500 before the streak now, but they're figuring it out. They're getting, they're getting going. Um, so I say lose two out of three. I think that's going to be a tough series, but still four and three week. And after this week, if they do that again, then we're still going to be in pretty good position. I feel like if they split with the rays, like Lauren's talking about, then they probably will win two out of three against the Royals. Cause they'll be angry. But if they do what me and Jared are saying, then they're probably gonna have a tough series. So I think, what, somebody's going to be right, depending on what, what happens in the first series.
1: This is true. Um, I, I don't know. I'm being highly optimistic. Uh, obviously, I have them going 5-2. and two. Uh, Lauren and Jess have them going 4-3. and three. Um, I don't know if that was my very rare, rare coming out fanboy coming out of me, um, which never, ever comes out,
2: but I'm shocked that I said 5-2. That'd, two. Two. That'd be a 9-2 road trip if they swept the race. That'd be absolutely insane.
1: It would be, and I think... I'd be shocked if you guys disagree with this, but anything except three and three out of four should be a disappointment at this point. Um,
2: with how bad, yeah, they're fifty and are, seven. How bad they're they bad.
1: They're like that's what I'm saying. Like last time, I, just, I still go back to that Oakland series. My gut for that Oakland series said did, they were going to sweep, but I didn't do it. And ever since then, I just go with my gut, and then my guts tell me the Rays are really, really bad. Like they suck. Um, I respect and so, that. And so they're going to sweep them. But that's can, how it's. Gonna, I can dig that hopefully it pans out. I'm sure you guys are hoping I'm right for once because that means a 5-2 and two week for the Red Sox and that means just a overall, uh, like you said, 9-2 road trip as well as add a couple more wins to that. Um, and it, It's going to hopefully be a good week for the Red Sox. Hopefully they'll be in first place by next time we talk to you, which would be great. And, of course, this week w- was brought to you by uh, Blue Apron and SeatGeek. Don't forget SeatGeek if you use the RSB promo um, for get your $20 off, rebate off your first ticket purchase. They do all the legwork for you, finding you the best prices. So don't forget to use SeatGeek as well as, of course, our good friends, friends at Blue Apron. Go to Red Sox Beat. Um, the page for us is blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat and you will get your first three meals for free with free shipping, of course. Um, and it's a great product, of course we all use it and you get those great meals delivered to you every week. Um, of course you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. A super long show this week, but don't care because we haven't been on in a while. So um, hopefully you got everything you needed out of it. Um, hopefully you guys, Jess and Lauren, enjoyed the longer show. I know it's been a while since we have been able to talk Red Sox baseball. But um, we'll be back next week, barring technical difficulties, but we seem to have it all figured out at this point. Um, and so until next week, for Jess, Thomas, and Lauren Campbell, uh, this is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio.